if I say nothing for us without us, we are saying there are spaces where decisions are being formulated. We are not represented. There are people there who talk on behalf of us. But we are the people who are really impacted, who are affected. We should be the people who are in the forefront to decide what we want, to give ideas of how we really want to live our sustainable lives. I don't allow anyone to talk on behalf of me if it is not me, you see. Welcome to episode 51 of Delicious Revolution. We're speaking today with Elizabeth Mpofu. Elizabeth is the general coordinator of La Via Campesina, a global coalition of more than 164 farmers' organizations from more than 73 countries. She's also a small-scale farmer in Zimbabwe, and she's the leader of the Zimbabwe Smallholder Farmers Forum. She's an advisor to the United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization. In this episode, she describes her unexpected path to leadership in the food sovereignty movement, the fight to be respected as peasants around the world, and the struggle for representation of the people most affected by development decisions. We spoke at the Thousand Currents offices in Berkeley last year. So here's my conversation with Elizabeth Mpofu. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us, Elizabeth. Um, I think where I want to start is you're currently the International General Coordinator for La Via Campesina, representing many thousands of farmers around the world. Um, you're a high-level advisor to the UN and the Food and Agricultural Organization, and you're, you're also a farmer. So I wanted to start, if you could please describe your farm, um, maybe help me, help me imagine um, your farm and what that looks like and, and the work that you do there. Thank you so much to respond to your question. I'm a small-scale farmer, and my farm is in the driest part of the country in Region 4 because we have some regions in Zimbabwe. So Region 4 and 5 are the most driest regions. So that is where I'm situated. I have a 10-hectare land which I got during the land reform program which took place in Zimbabwe in 2000. I was also uh, very fortunate to have that piece of land in my name because we know very much that people were having these arguments that the land distribution in Zimbabwe was not really uh, the way it was done. It was not uh, respecting the other communities, but... That was another story which we I can even share with most of the people that that was just the thinking of those people who really wanted to keep the land for themselves. But otherwise, most Zimbabweans managed to get their piece of land. So on my farm, because this is in a dry area, I'm also producing quite a variety of uh, small grains especially looking at the climate crisis which we are facing, the droughts, no rain, these heat waves. Sometimes maize doesn't do very well because maize, as much as we know, and especially the hybrid seeds, they really need huge amounts of water. So growing sorghum, permeate, 
finger millet, ground nuts, bambana nuts, and all sorts of pulses. Those are cowpeas, beans, many varieties of such pulses, which also helps maybe to keep moisture on the ground. It is also helping us so much. And those are the crops I am growing. I am also into small livestock keeping, where I keep cattle because that's the means of tilling my land. I also keep goats, sheep, indigenous chickens, quite a lot, and uh, the guinea fowls. All those are small livestock which I am also keeping at my farm. Are is there one of those crops or maybe a couple of those crops that are closest to your heart? Truly speaking, if I don't have rapport on my farm, to me, I'm not a farmer. If I don't have groundnuts as a woman, because rapport, this is a family crop. Why I say it's a family crop? Because most of our traditional ceremonies, we use this crop to brew our beers, traditional beer, for these ceremonies. In most cases, the rainmaking ceremonies, the Thanksgiving ceremonies, we use this uh, family crop. Groundnuts, as a woman, that's the only crop I am free to decide to sell, to take to the market, to produce and process and make money from it. Unlike the other crops like pyramid, sorghum, maize, these are crops for men, culturally. Although we think it should change because we are the women who are really working on the farms in producing all these crops, then the men will just come and claim that these are their crops. So it's a challenge which women are really facing, although we, in, because of the culture, we believe that it was like that since our forefathers were still alive. So it kept on like that. It's only these days where we are really trying to fight against that so that we are together, we share all the, the, the produce from our products. Yes. Elizabeth, was there a moment or was there a time in your life when you knew that you were going to be an organizer and a leader as well as a farmer? That, is, that was an unstarter in my life, looking at how I grew up, the challenges I faced, I went through. I didn't even dream of becoming a leader because I was not uh, educated to the, to the higher level of education which we assume all the leaders went to this uh, higher level of education. That was my assumption. So I, don't, I, I, I can't say I knew I would be lying, I would be telling the world some lies. I didn't know I have that capability, that capacity to also become a leader. So to me, even now, today, even if, as you are asking me, how did it happen, I fail sometimes to explain exactly, although I know all the steps which happened. But I didn't know that it was going to 
take me this far. And even in 2002, when we held our, when we went to the World Summit of Sustainable Development in Johannesburg, in South Africa, where my colleagues, my fellow members from Zimbabwe, elected me to represent them during the two weeks which we stayed in Johannesburg. No one even knew the intention behind all this. So it was like they were fixing me like she seems to be a clever woman, talking, singing, all those things. That was, the, that was their thinking. And even myself, I was ashamed. I was ashamed of myself. That why? Otherwise, I should have kept quiet and not be uh, interacting with many people. So, what is this? Myself being chosen to represent the Zimbabwean delegates. What am I going to do? Looking at the clothes I I was wearing. What exactly does that resemble? That a poor woman, a poor rural woman farmer leading these people in this type of clothes. So all these things just flip in my, in my mind. But that was the starting point. That was the starting point. And I would also want to thank all the, those people who really put me to to that position, giving me the strength, encouraging that you are a leader. Elizabeth, you will do it. We are there to support. So that is how it came. And now I'm here as a leader, you see. It was through encouragement from many people, you see, learning from other people. And of course, I can say I, I, I'm not the best but looking at how people are appreciating whatever I say and wherever I go, to tell you the truth, it gives me hope that maybe what we are looking towards to change, one day we will succeed. Look, now I'm, I was also nominated by the United Nations a Food and Agriculture Organization as the special ambassador for the International Year of Pulses 2016, representing the whole region of Africa. You just, you just see that there are people outside there who are watching you, who are hearing, who are seeing your movement. But myself, I'll be just talking like what I am doing here, and I don't know if how people are, are really <laughs> conceiving my, 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 my speeches. <laughs> Since you are speaking for Lumbia Campesina now, you are, you are a leader there. Um, you're probably the best person to ask, what, what is the work of Lavia Campesina right now? What are the main projects and the main messages that, um, that, you're, that you're working to promote? Yeah, to tell you the truth, Lavia Campesina is a global peace and movement which brings together this huge number of pieces together, the small fisher folks, indigenous people, landless people, women, young women, and men. Our main, main work is really the campaigning, the fighting against these big corporate companies, like the multinational corporations, who are really putting pressure on the 
way <laughs> how to produce our food the way they are also grabbing our land all over the world the peasants are really suffering are facing challenges you can talk of introduction of the new farming technologies yet we know this massive use of chemicals herbicides has already damaged the soils and the farming systems they don't really take care of the mother earth where we believe we have to really respect the mother earth meaning the land because land is the backbone of every human being every creature taking consideration the water which in most cases even in the rural areas we can't access the water in those rivers the policies the laws don't allow us to use this uh, river water to irrigate our land it's the government's property you, you can see how these multinational corporations are really putting uh, more challenges on the livelihoods of farmers and so as lavia kambasina we are also uh, fighting for the peace and rights which i can say we really need to be respected as peasants as people who produce food for everyone who takes care of the land also considering the way we really want to produce our own food what seeds do we really want not these uh, seeds gmo seeds which are being imposed on our continents So those are areas we are really trying to we are fighting against and you look the issue of uh, migration where the poor of the poor they didn't they, they were not migrants because they wanted to it's because of cha- the challenge of the wars happening in most countries you go to you have heard much of what is happening in Palestine all those killings all the brutalism taking with whatsoever in whichever country where these wars are being caused by the same big corporates so we are also trying to address issues on migrants and uh, looking at the climate justice what i have been just explaining about this farming new farming technologies which the big corporates are also imposing on our continents it's a very critical area because they are coming in the name of the we want to produce uh, to end hunger to produce enough food you africans cannot use mosquito farmers you cannot but that is not the reality that's not the reality and they also argue that the agroecology farming system which we are doing does not really uh, is not able to feed the nation that is totally a lie because we are managing and what is most important is not the quantity it is the quality we are looking at the health at the diets of people if we see the food which most of our young people and even not young only 
where they had getting these foods and these fast foods already prepared. Look how they end up being that obesity, huge, big bodies, which causes a lot of diseases. All those, is, there are quite a lot of things we are fighting against. Elizabeth, uh, um, there's this narrative that keeps coming up, and I think that we keep fighting against it, but uh, this idea that well, all of those small farms, this is a story that I, th- I think we hear, is that all those small farms and all of that biodiversity, that stuff is nice, but we can't really afford it because we have to feed the world, and to do that we have to use chemicals and we have to have a capitalist form of agriculture. I mean, they talk about the fact that Africa, as if there's an emergency of a lack of food, and, that, and because of that emergency, there's no room for all of these things that we love about farming or that we love about diversity of seeds. Um, he said something that I really like tonight, uh, that um, nothing for us without us. Can you, can you say what you mean about that? Yeah, that is true. If I say nothing for us without us, we are saying there are spaces where decisions are being formulated. We are not represented. There are people there who talk on behalf of us. But we are the people who are really impacted, who are affected. We should be the people who are in the forefront to decide what we want, to give ideas of how we really want to live our sustainable lives. That is why we came up with this slogan, nothing for us without us. I don't allow anyone to talk on behalf of me if it is not me, you see. Then, the other issue which you asked me was about uh, <laughs> like the issue of Africa not being able to produce enough for its people. That is why they bring this food aids. That is totally a lie. I really argue strongly that looking at the climate crisis, even if they want to produce the food using these fertilizers, chemicals, if there are no rain, if there is no rain, nothing is going to come. We are looking at a situation as the majority, or 70 or 75 to 80%, they are rural people who are in the rural areas who are doing agriculture. Fertilizers are expensive. Chemicals are here. Those herbicides are expensive. The farmer, where does he get the money from? Because every year you have to buy seeds. You have to buy all this. Looking at the soils, how they've already deteriorated. In such places, there are areas where now the, the people have Abandoned, even the government cannot even think of putting a shelter in those areas because the soils are no longer in use. So you keep on again um, putting pressure to farmers that you have to use fertilizers, you have to use these herbicides. That is nonsense because we have proved agroecology, it takes care of the environment, the mother earth, and we really want to be in control of our own natural resources, you see. We really want to make sure the soils we produce, our healthy food, are fertile. 
We don't want to repeat the very same mistake which most of these uh, colonialists have introduced to us because they really wanted good uh, uh, grains taken to the markets. But agroecologically, I can also produce good food. Look, I'm not just talking about maize, a diversity of crops, you see. Why then should they say Africa, Africans are going hungry, yeah, they are starving? That is, that is rubbish because we have a diversity of food which they also want not to take over, to commercialize it. Why? Look at the banana in, in Uganda. They want to commercialize the banana. You go to Kenya, they want to, to commercialize the cocoa. Why? Yet these foods have been just been consumed, grown organically. Eh? That is the issue. I've spent some time and done some work in, in southern Mexico, and, I, and there the word campesino, like peasant, um, people used it to describe themselves, and there's this sense that something's changing, where you, there used to be some shame to calling yourself a, a campesino or a peasant, but people are reclaiming it as a word that, uh, that they use with pride to talk about them um, and the work that they do with the land. Is that true in Zimbabwe, and is that true in a lot of the pe- places you've visited and organized? It's an argument everywhere. Yeah. It's a debate going everywhere, but also we, we are really trying to defend the name peasant because, truly speaking, I'm a peasant. Yeah. I depend on farming. Land is my source of income. Agriculture is my source of life. My seed, access to all those natural sources, that is what I depend on. And why should I not be proud to be a peasant? But to the assumption of other people, being a peasant, you are a useless person. That's how, what they believe. You are not educated. You don't have any know-how of anything. All those issues are taken to be people of valueless. You see? That is why, why, why we are really putting more arguments on defending that peasant. And, but it seems it is changing if I look at how we have been arguing with the word peasant in the peasant rights declaration formulation processes in Geneva, where now in the documents, truly speaking, even the, the whole document is peasant rights declaration. So it means it has been respected. Wonderful. And I think... That's about all the time that we have. I know you have to get home, but is there is there anything else you would like to tell an audience? There's, um, the people who listen are, are interested in food and the food movement, many activists, many farmers here in the United States and, and some around the world. Is there anything you'd like to say? Yeah, what I can say to the audience who have been lo- listening all these discussions, I think what is most important is to know that we are fighting with these big corporates who have huge amounts of monies. But I think our strength is to be united, to fight together, 
in all the corners of the world. Let's come together, not necessarily being together face-to-face, uh, -face, but let's communicate, let's share ideas, let's share our problems which we are facing all over the world. And by uniting, our voice will be heard and we will manage to change the world to a better world where everyone is free to produce good, healthy food and enjoy their lives. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you, Dumont. Thank you to Elizabeth and Pofu for the wonderful interview after a long night and a long speaking tour. Also, thank you to Thousand Currents. They're a wonderful foundation. I don't know if you can even call them a charity. They're so focused on solidarity with grassroots movements. And thank you to all the Campesino organizers working for food sovereignty around the world. You are listening to Delicious Revolution, a show about food, culture, and place. Delicious Revolution is produced by Chelsea Wills and by me, Devin Sampson. You can read and see and hear more about Delicious Revolution and all of our guests on our website. It's deliciousrevolutionshow.com. And you can sign up there for our email newsletter. Uh, we're in the process of reimagining and redesigning it, so it's going to be really cool. Um, sign up now to get the very first issue. Delicious Revolution is available as a podcast. Just search for us on any podcast app or you can listen from our website or from SoundCloud uh, if you're lucky enough to be on the Northern California coast you can hear us on KWMR and KOWS and one more announcement for this week uh, I know a lot of our listeners are deeply involved in this food movement so this this is I think this actually makes sense if you are headed to the Food and Agriculture Organization's second symposium on agroecology in Rome next month I'll be there too. I would love to meet up. Uh, you can get in touch with me through our website and let's have a coffee. Thanks for listening to Delicious Revolution.